Welcome back to the Tapes Archive podcast, where we release interviews that have never been heard before. In this episode, we have Little Feet guitarist Paul Barrer. At the time of this interview in 1992, Barrer was 44 years old and was promoting Little Feet's upcoming concert at Deer Creek Music Center. In the interview, Barrer talks about his fond memories of Little Feet founder Lowell George, how well the band is playing, and what bugs him about the music biz. This week's interview is hosted by Mark Allen. One last thing before we get to the interview, the Tapes Archive podcast is a proud member of Osiris Media, a global community connecting passionate fans with podcasts and experiences about artists and topics you love. Thanks for tuning in, and now it's time to open the vault. Shake me up is the last thing we heard from you, right? I mean, yeah. Is there something new coming? Well, we're going to, after we finish touring, uh, we're going to start in the writing process and uh, hopefully we'll get down to starting to record some stuff before the end of the year. And we'll probably have another record done by, I would imagine, next summer. Once we get started, we tend to get them done pretty reasonable. Yeah, it seemed to be putting, since the group got back together, you'd been putting out one touring, putting out another touring like that. Did you kind of take some time where you decided not to go into the studio? We put out Shake Me Up last September. So we kind of missed out on a summer tour for it. And the record has obviously run its course, but we wanted to do a, a nice summer tour this year. And so it, uh, the opportunity arose to do this co-headline thing with George Thorogood. And it's been working out really well. So it's, uh, we're still, you know, kind of promoting uh, Shake Me Up, but uh, we're basically out here to have fun and to play and let people know that we're still around. And we've actually cut back on the schedule from, I mean, when we first put the band back together, we toured 10 months out of that, that first year when we released Let It Roll. And, and then uh, we went right in and, and did uh, Representative Mambo, and, and we toured somewhere between eight and a half, nine months for that one. And it was like, oh, okay, we've reestablished the fact that we're back. Let's, let's reacquaint ourselves with our families. My wife and I just had our second child five months ago, and she was very happy that I was home for that, <laughs> for, for that and was there to change diapers because we have a three-year-old as well for uh, the first four months you know, before we started touring again. It's been good. It's, everybody's actually got, well, at least the writers in the band have, have started some songs and stuff so that when we do finally get off this road trip, uh, we won't be starting from scratch. There's, there's uh, stuff to work on. And will we hear anything new uh, when you're here? Well, we've worked up some new things for Little Feet, but they're not new songs. There's some there's some old blues classics that we, you know, Little Feet got since when I first remembered them when they were a quartet. I mean, they used to cover Howlin' Wolf tunes like 44 Blues and How Many More Years and things like that. And, and it's something that we had kind of gotten away from. And, uh, and Billy came up with the idea of doing a bit of the old Little Walter classic, Mellow Down Easy, which was on the first Paul Butterfield Blues Band record. So we kind of cover a little bit of that. And uh, we came up with, when we were doing these all acoustic shows, which we tend to do now, and then we'll go out for a weekend and go into a club in a town and, and play nothing but acoustic feet music, which is great. But I came up with this little medley of a Muddy Waters tune, uh, Can't Be Satisfied, that segues into a Robert Johnson tune, Hot Tamales in the Red Hot. So will, you think we'll hear those? Uh, oh, you will hear those. Oh, yeah. great. We're going to play those. And- now, uh, Shake Me Up, I, I thought was the best, although although representing the Mambo, the song, is my favorite song that you've done for years. Um, Shake Me Up uh, sounds like the best uh, record that you've put together since the band reformed. What do you think? Well, 
personally, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, I think all three albums are gems. You know, Let It Roll was probably the safest mainstream kind of rock and roll record of them all. Representing the Mambo, I'm glad that you like that record. It's like, for some reason, that seemed to go right over a lot of people's heads. They tended to forget that Little Feet was that weird. <laughs> you know? It was like, all they wanted to hear from Little Feet was the, the Let It Rolls and the Hate to Lose Your Lovin's, you know, the, the Dixie Chicken clones or whatever. Right. You know, they, they forgot all about the, you know, the days at the dog races and the, you know, the, the, the stranger side of Little Feet. And I thought representing the Mambo was just perfect. You know, I mean, we had that song on there. We had the Ashenu. We had Silver Screen. I mean, they were all very, we'll never be accused of being alternative rock. You know? <laughs> For a while there, we were, you know, being called jazz rockers or something. I think it just, it just shows the musicianship of the band. I mean, and also you got a song like uh, Those Feet Will Steer You Wrong, which is right out of the willing type of genre, all except it's kind of poking fun at yourself, which is great. And then we did this album, which is a combination of both, really. I mean, you have Spider's Blues, which is, I love that song, and I, li I loved Clowning, too, which I thought was really great. The choir effects, you know, Bonnie Bramlett just wailing on it. <laughs> it was great. And then uh, Shake Me Up, which is the typical, atypical, little feet, really hard rocking kind of shuffle. And yet the album went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute. Stop the presses. What's going on here? Something's wrong with this picture. Little Feet records tend to sell over the long period. I mean, it took 12 years for uh, Feast Don't Fail Me Now to go gold. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Dixie Chicken even longer. So these things are like, they'll be little gems, you know, in, in somebody's time capsule somewhere. People will discover them eventually. Yeah, I think they do. And it's, it always amazes me how much, you know, people will come up who, are, who just got into the band over the last three records since we put it back together. And then they go back and they listen to the old stuff and they go, boy, there's some good stuff there. It's really rewarding. It's like being a good author or something. You don't want to end up like a great painter where you're dead and then people discover you. Yeah, well, that's the time of the heroes all about. That's how, that whole thing is like Van Gogh. Uh, well, I had these friends who had this garage band and, and they had a song that was great. It was called, I Don't Want to Be the Vinnie Van Gogh of the Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, because you have no ears? And he said, no, because we make no money. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's no chance that we're going to hear Mambo played live, huh? We don't do it live in the electric show. We've been doing it in the acoustic show. It's really a kick, but uh, we've pretty much put together a kind of a rock and roll set for this uh, this tour this year with uh, with Thorgood. We started out with him down in Florida, and we were closing the shows, and he was opening them. And he tends to hammer people. I mean, he really is a, a rocking guy. Yeah. You know? We would come on, and if we would start to play some, some things that were a little bit more musical and not quite as... Uh, didn't have quite as much the impact. Something to require thought, choice. <laughs> it tended to get lost in the shuffle, so we kind of uh, geared the set towards uh, more rock and stuff. We'll still do, uh, you know, a hanging on to the good times and, and a couple of acoustic little gems. But for the most part, we're we're rocking. Does he pump you up? To, I mean, does having him on the bill with you make you play that much harder? Oh, sure. There's always a friendly kind of competition that goes on amongst bands, especially when they're this tour is really unique for anyone that I've ever been on as far as a co-headline thing because it truly is a co-headline thing. I don't even know when we play in Indianapolis. I'd have to look in the book here to see who's closing the show. You usually do pretty well here. I'd be surprised. I mean, I've, the only time George has played here is played a, a, at a club and he's played yeah. as an opening act. So, it'd be Well, hard sometimes to... the promoter seems to think that it's better 
he closes it because he is so loud. It's unique in the fact that we're both playing an hour and 45 minutes. There's that, that kind of a, yeah, well, if we're going to do a show together, then it should be compatible. You can't really do something that's like so 180 degrees that people won't get it or won't stick around to listen or something like that. Recently, we closed most of the shows up until so the last couple we've, we've opened for him. And so it's like the shoe's on the other foot now. It's like, okay, we're going to play our hour and 45 first and see how you follow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually been a lot of fun. The guys in, in his band and, and George himself have been very cool. And we've, we've gone on playing. Uh, the um, other guitarist of Georgia, Steve Kishmar, has uh, joined our force when we've been out on the golf course every day off of God. I've heard, I've heard the, uh, the description of the over 40... Rock and rollers. Uh, typical day is uh, 18 holes in an AA meeting. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the Butch Trucks, when the Allman Brothers came in, he said, "I got a day off when we're coming here. Where where should I go play golf?" Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We toured with them last uh, fall, and that was when you can get guys from Motley Crue out on a golf course, and you know something's really gone wacko in the world. Days of uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I guess, must be over, or must be left I to I think so, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's safe sex and, and golf and rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last time you were here, uh, which I guess was two years ago now, Silver Screen was the song that you really stretched out on, as, as, uh, among all the new ones. Uh, is there something from Shake Me Up that you're going to stretch out on this time? Tell you the truth, the only song we're doing from uh, Shake Me Up is Shake Me Up. Although, you know, that can change at a moment's notice. We have a song list of about 60 songs, so it's been kind of strange. We've been actually stretching out more on the uh, the blues tunes, in particular Melodon Easy and, and Apolitical Blues and mm-hmm. things like that. How's this new label working out? It's okay. They're still ironing out problems that uh, new labels are want to have. And so that's part of actually you taking a chance and, and going from a major label like Warner Brothers to a, a new subsidiary, who actually isn't a subsidiary, but they're distributed by another company, Polygram. So it's, it's tough sometimes to get you know all the, the necessary things happening to, to sell records. When you think in the scheme of things, how many brand new labels there are, it's pretty frightening. It's like everybody's fighting for the airspace and the, and the rack space and the, and the rack jobbers. And I mean, it's like the businesses. The business has changed, shall we say. <laughs> and enough for the better, as far as I can see. Although the little feet, I mean, I think it's changed for the better. The last time you were here was the best I'd ever seen you, and I've seen you about ten times over really? the, since uh, 77. So. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about the band now is it's consistency. It's, uh, you know, whether it's just the fact that we've matured or we're more serious about our instruments and our music, I'm not really sure exactly what the defining line was, but we seem to be a much more consistent band night after night, and it's just, it's really just a joy to play with these guys. Yeah, uh, and that's true because there were nights where you'd come out with Lowell and you just never knew how participatory he would be, and uh, right. it was, uh, so it is kind of cool to see you now and, and know you're gonna, gonna get a great show, as opposed to wondering if you're gonna get a great yeah, show. Right. <laughs> wondering, wondering if, or who was gonna sing what, or... Yeah. How many songs they would do? Boy, those days are strange. It's like every now and then I'll read in the paper where, what was it, Hank Williams Jr. went out and played 16 minutes, you know, in St. Louis or something like that. Right. Like, Good night. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you get a deja vu feeling? Like, I, I do. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm so glad those days are over for us. <laughs> you have to have some fond memories of that. I mean, I can't. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. 
we have tapes, and there's actually a couple of videotapes of some shows that we did from back then, and that are just phenomenal. We played some really good music. You know, I tend to forget how well we used to play, <laughs> because there was that eight-year layoff between bands, and there's some stuff that is just phenomenal. We have some jam tapes from our rehearsal hall with uh, people like John Clemmer came in and played some sax one day, and just Robin Ford, and just things where we just got together and jammed that are like, whoa, <laughs> hey, that's pretty neat. It's amazing to think that it's been in existence like 22 years, 23 years. Do you have any theories on why Little Feet has never become like a major commercial act? I think because we're so diverse. Probably is the main reason. If we were just a southern boogie band or just a, a I don't know, a country funk band or what, you know, whatever brand of music that we're playing at the time, if we were just that, then, you know, a label can go, oh, good. Okay, we can put these guys in this pigeonhole here, and we'll promote them as such, and we'll we'll talk to them about their image, which they have none. And, you know, <laughs> we'll get them nice clothes, and uh, we'll do their hair up, those that got the hair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we're a band that just, you know, likes to play music, and it's, that's not really what marketing's all about. Yeah, that isn't even really what music is about anymore, it seems. It's like, you don't really necessarily... Well, it is what music's about, but it's not what the music business is about. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like, you don't even have to be a player anymore, you know. You can just no, be a producer or something. And, uh, I think with the whole realm of, of video and video performance art, the thing that bugs me most about the business is that you'll have the major people in all those different genres, and then you'll have the clones. And some of the clones are making as much as the major people. It's like, if you put blindfolds on people and played the music and said, okay, can you tell me that band A, B, C, or D, I'm sure a lot of people would fail. Anything else you want me to tell people about uh, you, the band, anything else? God, I hope you don't tell them all this crap I spurted (laughs) off here today. (laughs) Just the highlights. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, I can't wait to see what this sounds like. Thanks for listening to the Tapes Archive podcast. Please remember you can always find more information about the show and the individual episodes at our website, thetapesarchive.com. Until next time, the vault is closed.